0: a false doctrine, now there's a lot of false doctrine out there, we um, don't need to look very far to to find it, but I was amazed uh, about a week ago, they come out with a new false doctrine, how many know what that new false doctrine is, it's been around a while, but now it's officially a doctrine, uh, uh, church or whatever you want to call it, it's called global warming or climate change, and kids got out of school to go protest or support of climate change. And we had kids crying because they told them the world's going to end in 10 years, and I've never even begun my life, and I'm stuck in school. By the time I get out, there won't be any world for me. I mean, they were really hurt and crying. And they even had a website that people could go and confess their sins against the climate. How many saw that? Huh? Huh? Do what? And say sorry, weeds, weeds. When I they got down on their knees get forgiveness from the weeds. Oh, from the weeds. Oh, okay. One of the examples was for the weeds for cutting them down, and all that. And they was confessing. They said, "Oh, I ate a hamburger today, or two years ago." And they were. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I'm like, well. And these people are doing it, and it's hard for me to understand the idioticies. Is that a word? If not, I just invented it. Of, of people. I mean, they want to worship everything. And they want to fight for the earth. But I have news for them. Okay. It ain't working, honey. It ain't working. Yeah. Pause. 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 Was that, Will you, Susie? Our new band was contracted to work one week. That's pretty good. <laughs> I worked. It used the first week. Just pointing. They know. Well, right. and I just put a new one in. Let's see. Working this morning, I tried it. I have the gift. The gift of breakage? Yep, that's me. <laughs> All right, we'll lift the arm right in the back here. Sorry about that. The one week it worked fine. There you go. Huh? Working now? No. Susie's working. Susie's working. Okay. Okay, turn it back on. Okay, we're ready to go. Now, Genesis 8.22 says, and I, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. I believe God, don't you? So remember this verse. I told you this if, you know, a little bit about that a uh, couple weeks ago, but then this religion came out in, in earnest after that. Remember this verse and tell these I don't know what to call them, fools, I guess, I have no idea. But they need to know this. So it's just false doctrine, another false doctrine. And then this morning, Randy told, read me an an article that said they banned speech that might offend illegal aliens, and it carries a $250,000 fine. Now illegal aliens are a a religion. I guess. Man, I don't know what they consider offending. Well, I ain't got $250,000. And don't worry, it won't work because the Supreme Court will throw it out. But that just goes to show you how stupid we are in our theology. We used to be in the middle or a little to the right. Now we're so far left you can't even see it. It's gone that way like far as the east is from the west and it just irritates me every time I see all this stuff but it's there and we have to know how to combat it otherwise if they know more than we do they'll suck us in now most false doctrines we talked about a little bit that are based on seeing an angel of light and Pastor Cliff talked about it too but if we and a lot of people follow them. I've seen an angel last night came to me in my room and all this stuff, and man, I just fell down because it was so bright and everything. And people, they go, oh, oh man, that person's so holy. We've got to follow them. That's the world we live in. I guarantee I could start a false religion like that next week, and within two or three weeks, this place would be packed. You practically we'd have to have two or three services every week because false religions or false doctrines are followed because it appeases that inner man. We don't like religion that tells us the stuff we can't do. But see, the reality is serving God isn't a list of can't-dos, it's a list of can-dos. Just because when I became a Christian, I didn't want to do some things I used to do did I did give it up. I can't give up something I didn't want to do, even though I used to do it. And we need to understand that in order to combat these people that say, I don't want to do that. It's a a list of can't-dos, and I don't want to give up stuff. I never gave anything up to be a believer except my sin. But see, a lot of people in the world don't want to give up their sin. Of course, there are uh, people that have to go and confess their sins, and that's one reason why they don't want to give up Their sin is because they don't want to confess them. Because that priest, even though there's a shade in between you, they kind of know who you are. And we don't want to let them know what we've done. So I'm not going there. I'm going to the great high priest. We don't have to go that way anymore. We can go right directly into the throne room and talk to God ourselves. Because Christ led us to it. He tore down that curtain. So we don't need to be afraid or ashamed or anything and we can boldly go into the throne of God. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of things I mean, in my past that I wouldn't want known. That's why I don't run for political office. If you run for political office, you might as well confess all your sins from the time you were two. When I was two years old, I threw dirt at my sister. And I fed her dirt. I made bad pies, she was going to eat them. I have a twin sister. Of course, you most of you know that. But uh, anyway, I have to go clear back there (laughs) and start confessing. If I confessed all my sins, I would be till now until the day I died, and I'd have to start up past the day I died in order to do that. Thank you, Annie. But we don't have to do that. We just say, "Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner." And if God puts something in your mind that you need to confess, confess it. Because I guarantee you, one day it's going to be sounded from the highest hill. One day it'll be made known, unless it's under the blood. So we need to accept Christ and let him cover our sins. Not cover them, eliminate them. They used to have to cover their sins in the Old Testament by killing an animal. But that just covered the blood. And in reality, it does the same thing because we accept Christ and his blood covers us and God can't see through the blood. Hallelujah! I'm thankful, aren't you? So, but a lot of them are a start that way. Now, if I saw an angel of light, I would have to line it up against God's word. And if it kind of felt felt like it, it passed that test, then I'd go to my superintendent and ask him, or my best presbyter, and ask him what he thought about it. And if that further, if they wanted further input, then I'd go before the presbytery board. The only one I'm going to tell my, my uh, vision to, if you will, would be Randy before I got the approval. But if I have to start another denomination to share my vision, it's false doctrine. It's plain and simple. All the people that start churches, they don't line up with God's word. Now, you know what they are. There are a lot of them. A lot of them around here. And uh, so we don't need to worry about it. Now, we have denominations that need other books to share their beliefs. I don't need another book. This is the only book I need. Now, I have a lot of books in my library. I have uh, a book on customs. I have commentaries. I have uh, the Greek and Hebrew words that gives me kind of an uh, what it means. And uh, I got Bible dictionaries. I got all kinds of stuff. But if, all, if I get a book and I've gotten books, you know, I'll see them in a bookstore or something like that and I'll grab them and say, oh man, this is good. And I'll get them home and start, what is this? Don't line up, it's garbage. Unless it's something I'm, you know, on cults because I need to know what they believe. How are you going to reach someone if you don't know what they believe? And we don't put people down because they don't believe like us. We have to warn them to Christ. We are called to be fishers of men, not shooters of men. Jesus made a very good example of that. What does a fisherman do? They provide bait. They put it on a hook they rule it out? We are fishers of men. And then when they finally accept Christ, we don't clean them. God cleans them. So we need to worry about that too. God can actually clean up uh, believers better than I can. I mean, I know there are things in the Bible that people need to know, and that's straight out clear. But there are a lot of gray areas today. We have all kinds of gray areas. And it isn't a matter of what I can do. It's, it's a matter of what I can't do. Now, if, I'm, if I would be embarrassed to do that and have, stand up here and tell you why I did it, I shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> That'd be a good, good way, wouldn't it? <coughs> so we need to make sure we have it. And three weeks ago, also, I introduced the, the word, not I have mentioned it before, of theophanies. Now, remember, a theophany is someone seeing Christ before he was born in the manger. And every time you see this in the Old Testament appearing to someone, it was Christ. See, remember that we have God as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It didn't become a trinity, it always was a trinity. And the only part of that trinity that we can see with our eyes, physical eyes, is Jesus. The only part of us that people can see is this body. We are body, soul, and spirit. You can't see my soul, or you can't see my spirit. What does it click? We live in a body, our soul lives in a body, or whatever it is. We are, a spirit. we are a spirit. We have an immortal soul. We have an immortal soul. And we live in a physical body. And we live in a physical body. That's a good way to, to know it. So, anyway. Know that word so they can't trip you up. Because some people say, what do you mean? God's a man. Well, then you've got a problem because over here in another verse says God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We have a problem there then. Because God can't be man and spirit unless there's a trinity. So don't let all that stuff confuse you because they use it and I'm not kidding you. That's how they get people. They get them so confused they think, oh man, I'm going going the wrong place to go to church. So understand this stuff because it's bait out there that I want to get to catch people. Now last time we closed with the judgment of the serpent. I'm going to talk a lot more about him later on in the series. But I told you, we really basically only have three, eni- three enemies. Satan, the world, and us. And we are our worst enemies. But under, these, under Satan, there are a lot of things that could be listed. False doctrine is one of them. So he's in there, got his hands in everything, trying to manipulate it and trying to mess our lives up. But uh, anyway, we close there. And I want to look at something I found interesting Okay. Uh-oh, turned it off. There we go. Did you do it or did I do that? <laughs> I did it. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Us old people are, are not as good point with it's, it's working. It's working. Point Thank it's you. For the point, point the thing for, no, point for the computer instead of there. Okay. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay, now we got this down. All this new technology we have to deal with, you know, it it messes things up. Anyway, Genesis 2.23 says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, we all think that Adam named his wife Eve from the very beginning. But that isn't what that verse says. It says he called her woman. I never noticed that before, and uh, and maybe this is why men call their wives "woman." Now it's uh, all right for there, and Adam could get away with it because she was the only woman. <laughs> but nowadays, it's I don't advise you doing that because it, it isn't a compliment today. It sounds like you're trying to order me around. Hey, woman. Sounds really, cr- gets me. Or, hey, honey, what do you want to hear? <laughs> I want to hear, hey, honey. <laughs> hey, woman, turn around. Hey, honey. <laughs> so, Adam could get away with it because of that. Now, a lady was delivering, delivering an elderly cuppy meals on wheels heard the husband calling his wife darling and said, I think it's sweet that you call your wife darling after all these years. The husband replied, well, I forgot her name years ago and I'm afraid to ask her what it is. <laughs> is that what you call me, honey? Honey buns? I know your name. Uh, Genesis 3.20. And Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. This was after the fall, and not before. And she she is the mother of all living. If we go far enough back, we're all related. Actually, we're all related anyway. They can find that with genetic tests, that we all have a similar something in us, and they can trace it back to, so we're all related. And it doesn't matter what color we are, how tall we are, how short we are, how skinny we are, how fat we are. It doesn't matter. We're all one people. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to all need to know that. I know that the people got dark skins because of the environment they lived in and God uh, was God's way of protecting them against the sun. So, and there's all kinds of things you want to study that you can, but just remember there are not there's only one race and that's the human race. They can't call me a racist because we're all part of the human race. I'm so sick of being called a racist, aren't you? And it's ridiculous. I am not a racist. I love all people. I believe we all have rights. But I don't believe some groups of people deserve more rights than what we have. Do you? And that's what what makes people upset. We want people to be treated equally and fair, but we don't want them treated better than us. And that's what they're doing now. To the detriment of our nation, to the detriment of our some of our own people who are sleeping on the tree, streets, little kids going without food while they're giving all kinds of money to illegals. And I've mentioned this many times. I'm okay with, okay with people coming in here legally. But I go, you say, well, that, I'm a racist. No, I'm not. I'm going by God's plan. Now, the gospel, Jesus said you do first to Judea, the then to the their nation, and then to the rest of the world. See, we've got that thing all screwed up. We want to help the rest of the world before we help our own people, and that goes against God's plan. We need to help our own people, and after our own people have been helped sufficiently, then we go help someone else. But I don't want our children starving because they're giving our money to an education fund for illegals. And that's what they're doing. California just passed a $21 million or $10 or whatever it was fund so illegals can get free education. Have you seen the hell in crisis since California? That's enough that they can help every single homeless pe- person get a house. And that's ridiculous. And that's why I get so angry about it because they got everything screwed up. I love all people. I think that we all need to be saved. We all come the same way. But nobody gets more rights than anybody else, and I hate my taxpayers' money. My taxes go into causes before our own people are taken care of. How many women would stay married to a man who fed the neighbor's kids but wouldn't feed yours? Anybody would stick with that guy? I know, maybe the neighbor's kids are his, huh? (laughs) No. (laughs) We wouldn't do it because it isn't right. We need to take care of our own people. And God says that. He says, a man that doesn't take care of his own family is worse than an infidel. And we got a lot of infidels in this world. A lot of men are just, are not fathers. And that's sad. That's a sad world we live in. So anyway, Adam and Eve instantly died because judgment is sometimes instant and sometimes it comes later. They instantly died, but they died later. Now we are born dead Spiritually, all of us, because of this, because Adam and Eve sinned. You say, well, then that ain't fair. Well, don't worry about being fair because if they hadn't done it, I would have, or you would have, because it's in our nature. But see, the good thing is, God created them. He knew what they were going to do, and he already had a plan to redeem them before they ever did it. Now, we, when we have children... We bring children in this world and I'm thinking today, and I told my husband many times, I like, Man, I don't know whether I'd have kids today, because of how messed up the world is. And a lot of the young people today are vowing not to have children because of that. And I can understand that to a certain degree, but people that haven't had children are missing a lot of stuff. You know what's fun? You know, I love my kids to death. I'll tell you, there's days, <laughs> when they were little, and even now, there's days, <laughs> I thought you grew up, of course, we stay out of our kids' life, they want my opinion, they'll ask for it, unless it's really, really bad, and I'll <coughs> give them a suggestion, <laughs> they may get mad, but anyway, so we're, we are born spiritually, dead, and uh, because of that. Unless the Lord returns, we'll all die. I'm looking forward to the rapture, not the Antichrist. We aren't going to see the Antichrist, so don't worry about it. We'll be gone before that. There's no way in the world right now that an Antichrist could take over. There are too many believers. God says, he that restraineth will restrain. And that restrainer is the Holy Spirit living within each of us. So they cannot black out all of Christianity because we are the one that stay in the darkness. We are the light in this world. So we need to remember that. Genesis 3, 16. Oops. I guess I didn't put it in there. Oh, there it is. To the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. God's plan was for them to have children in the garden. And God gave them the commandment to be fruitful and multiply in the garden. We think that they didn't because they didn't have any kids outside until they were out of the garden. Well that tells me they must not have been in the garden very long because I guarantee you they didn't wait till they got out of the the garden to be intimate. I meant when when Adam named Eve woman, God brought her to him, and he says, Wow, man! So he kind of liked her, and he loved her so much that he ate the fruit that she ate that condemned him. You want to talk about love? He was condemning himself to death to be with her. Men, that's the kind of love you need, but not in the bad things. Don't fall them into the bad things. Some religions and people believe that they shouldn't have sex unless they were trying to have children. That's probably the reason they had large families. You know? Another myth is that women were just baby-making machines and you weren't supposed to enjoy sex. You screwed up in the garden, so you're being punished. But see, God created everything to be good. And that included sex. No matter what we think about it, God created it. Now, 316b, it says, Your desire will be to your husband. If women didn't desire their husbands, they would only have one child and they would never touch them again. I read something this morning that said if men had to go through childbirth, we wouldn't have any men left. They'd all die. (laughs) Men aren't built for that kind of pain. And I know we have drugs today that help with that and I thank Jesus for that. But my first, with my first, my doctor didn't believe in that fangled new stuff. And he was an old country doctor, and oh man, I didn't know he didn't believe in that till it was too late. later, I'd have changed doctors. I'm not kidding you, I had 22 hours of hard labor. And I was so exhausted by then, I couldn't even do anything. They had to just go in and yank him out. <laughs> and it wasn't pretty on my body either, but that's the reality. See, I'm not afraid to talk about things. So this commandment was given before they sinned. Now this verse means she would want to be with her husband, irregardless of having the pain of childbirth. And a lot of women died in childbirth. That tells you how severe the pain is, men. But women would willingly do it to give birth to their children because God gave us that desire within us. To want to protect their kids. Now we're all screwed up in our society because women today don't want to care, don't care about their kids, and I cannot understand that. You give birth to a child and then you basically forget you have them, and I know a lot of people that do that, and a lot of them are in foster care because of it, and that you know that breaks my heart because every child deserves a father and a mother, not two dads. Because a father and a mother complete the system in order to nurture the child, no matter what our society tells you. If that wasn't the way that it should have been, then God could have corrected it when He created us. <clears throat> now, this verse means you would always want to be with and the desire of their husband. Today, if you desire someone else, you don't love your husband. Oh, man, I, I, I can't help it. I just, I just want this guy or the, I just want this woman so bad. Man, I'll tell you, it just eats me away because I want him so bad. That's not love. That's lust. There's a difference, a huge difference. We are commanded to love our husbands. and lo- Husbands are commanded to love their wives. Now, love isn't an emotion. I know we feel an emotion that attracts us to each other. That's biology. But afterwards, we are committed to that one that we said I do to. Now, I know there are circumstances in the world we live in today that a lot of people have to get away from that situation because it's harmful to them spiritually or physically, or, and the kids, if there are them. So I understand that but God's desire put in within us to desire one another to be with one another forever. So if you start to desire someone else, tell yourself it's lust and hook that whole emotion and turn it around to your spouse. There'd be less divorces if that happened. Now, I've counseled a lot of couples about this very issue, and it isn't just men. Women come to me. And it's a, it's a problem in our world. Now, we did a series here years ago called um, Love and Respect. And it talks a lot about this subject. And there's a book you can get or you can get the series for yourself or whatever. It explains all this stuff. And it's really good. A lot of information in there. They didn't have that kind of stuff when I grew up. You know, it a better, worse. If you got worse, that's your problem. That was the theology of our day. And it's hard when you have that theology in your, in your life and you have to get a divorce. I'm divorced. And I suffered a lot of a long time before I submitted to that divorce. But I knew I couldn't live there anymore. It was detrimental. I meant when someone's with you just because they, for whatever reason, because of the kids, and you know, oh man, I, mine said, oh man, I can't believe that two women want me. Well, I guarantee you, this one don't want you anymore. That's personal anyway. That's free. I didn't plan on saying that, but there it is. Now, I've counseled a lot of people about this problem, like I said, and they have problems. And it wasn't just men, but there are many things available to help in the bedroom today. Check out Amazon. Amazon. And people say, oh man, you can't get that stuff. It's, it, it, it's evil. It's of the devil. No, it ain't. If it helps, use it, is my doctrine. And I can help you if you want in that area. But uh, it's a subject, you know, sex is a subject that pastors don't talk about, maybe because they're embarrassed. I don't let anything embarrass me anymore because I've heard so much and saw so much in my lifetime that uh, I'm beyond it. (laughs) And when I do counseling before couples get married, they come out red-faced because I talk about everything. And I had one husband tell, or one future husband, when they come out afterwards, and he said, said, you know, when I first come here, I was very hesitant because I thought it was just going to be a beat-up-on-me session. And I didn't want that, but in order to get married, it was part of the procedure for me to marry him. And uh, he says, but thank you. He says, you, you just made everything make sense and made it whatever. And so that helped me knowing that I'm on the right thing because I, I don't want to pick, pick on men or women or whatever. I want to help the problem or the situation because God wants us to be happy in marriage. I remember about 25 or 30 years ago, our pastor was talking on the subject a little bit, um, and he said, "If I want to put a razor, a raisin in Sister Smith's belly button, it's nobody else's business." And I going, oh, I about fell out of the pew. People don't talk like that 30 years ago. I mean, now we're a little more open to talking about things. But back then, I'm not kidding you, that was something. Sister Smith, I'm not kidding you, ever looked at her and she, her face is red? And she, oh man, why did I come here? Why do I come here? <laughs> she just wanted to leave. Have you ever had those moments? I'll tell you, Pastor Smith, and you know Pastor Smith because he's been here, and um, <coughs> he talked about a lot of subjects, and Sister Smith has got a lot of embarrassment sometimes, and she just said, I just can't control him. <laughs> and that's the problem that Brother Andy has with me. He can't control me. (laughs) Things that come out of my mouth sometimes, I think about it later, and I say, God, why didn't you stop my tongue? But, like I said, I'm, I'm for anything that helps, and if it's in the Bible, God wants us to talk about it. Now, God created sex to be good, so if it isn't good, you need some help, and it's okay to have help. You don't need to suffer. Now, this might be part of the reason men and women stray to lovers. Because when they stray, the person they stray to treats them differently. You know? They're all in that first stage of a relationship when when they're really all excitements all there and all that. But the reality is that they have problems. And they can't communicate. And they kind of, the way that... Uh, wives are good at punishing their husbands. Say, oh, no, no way, guy, you made me mad. Just don't even look at me, let alone touch me. And if ladies, if that's you, shame on you. And if your spouse has a headache every night, they need to see a doctor. That's the reality. And I tell that to new couples when they get married. Now, if you think God doesn't talk about Sex, you haven't read the Bible. And you obviously haven't read the Song of Solomon. Now, that book can be rated R. It could. Now, I know all you young people are going to go home and read it. (laughs) But it's in the Bible. And that's very erotic, if you will, to a certain degree. And it's a a book I, I gave young married couples. because it helps them. And that's the time to give them this kind of stuff is at the beginning. (laughs) And Solomon was the smartest man on earth after Adam. Adam was the smartest man that ever lived. Now we don't count Jesus because he was God and he knew everything. But Adam was a very smart man. And don't listen to everybody that says, oh, no, he isn't because we see all these cave carvings and stuff and it doesn't look very smart to me. Well, when they, when they sinned, they lost a lot. And they say, well, there's cavemen. No, there isn't. If you study and uh, re- realize that when we get older, our faces change. Do you know that your ears never stop growing? That amazes me. You know, you see pictures of you when you're young and you got little ears, and all of a sudden when you get old, they're not this big, <laughs> you know? That's because our ears continue to grow. So can you imagine what Adam looked like when he lived 900 and whatever years it was? Can you imagine? (laughs) Another thing that happens is your forehead grows out. Cavemen. So if they find that, they're not finding a prehistoric man that lived thousands and thousands of years ago or billions of years ago or whatever it is. They're finding a man that lived over 900 years. And some people today, you know, I'll look at them, I've I've seen, I don't know what show he's watching, and they turned sideways, and man, their forehead was clear out here. I told Randy, I said, man, that looks just like a caveman. You know, caveman today, I found the missing link. (laughs) You know, but that we need to to educate ourselves in order to combat people and get them to, to learn to start searching stuff and studying it. That's why we're commanded to study the Word of God to show yourself approved. Not just read the Word of God to show yourself approved. Now, if you're just going to read it and not study it, I'd rather have that than nothing because at least you're getting some of the Word in there. But when we study, that's when we get answers. See, I learn all all the stuff that I bring to you is because I study. I mean, these sermons, I spend hours and hours working on them. It isn't something I just, oh, well, put it together. Okay, I did it. That's done. I spend... 40 or 50 hours on a sermon. You say, man, it sure don't sound like it. I know. (laughs) That's because I got all this stuff and I got to condense it down to certain things. And I built in a lot of rabbit trails in this sermon so I won't get interrupted with rabbit trails. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) So I do that and figure where I can break it and, and all this information is rattling around in my head so when I'm up here, some of that information still comes out. And I got... Thirty pages, and I got to condense it down to three and a half. And that's hard. That's so hard. But sometimes I preach the ten pages. Ten pages, anyway. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> that's the only thing gl- I'm glad about the sexual revolution. Is they finally acknowledge that it's okay for women women to enjoy intimacy. And we have a lot of it, don't we? I met mean, you watch TV, and I'm just amazed at all this stuff that they do. And they portray it to a, to a degree that's ridiculous. I met mean, you see a couple. I met mean, the show's all good. And they come in, and they're attracted to each other. And they go into, the, into the, um, their apartment. And all of a sudden, they decide they're going to kiss. Next thing you know, they're ripping off each other's clothes. And I'm going, Who in the world writes this stuff? That doesn't happen like that. There ain't no way that would happen. You what know, wouldn't happen with me? I'll tell you. I want to be romanced. <laughs> don't you, ladies? You like romance, don't you? And you ain't gonna just rip my clothes off. Forget it. I'll pull my gun and shoot you. <laughs> 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 and they know this. That God put a desire in women, so the Muslims circumcise little girls, so they can't enjoy sex when they become a one and won't desire another man and run off and refuse to marry who they're told to but see the horrific thing about this is they just change the ability to enjoy it they do not get to do away with the desire and that is a terrible thing and I'll tell you that just it makes me so angry that they do that But they figure it's only the way that they can get them and control them. And what child wants to marry a 50-year-old man and become a slave? Well, that's Sharia law in a nutshell. Women have to wear all these ridiculous things because a man may look on them and have a desire for them. Well, that's the man's problem. Now, I don't need to add to the intrigue by wearing things down to here. And things up to here. (laughs) I don't need to encourage that. But we need to, uh, as believers, we need to make sure that we do as well as we can. Now, I'm not saying you can't wear a swimsuit. I have a swimsuit. That's okay. But we need to be watchful. And men need to know that this stuff goes on and nip it. As soon as it happens, they say, God, help me get away from it. See, it's not a a sin for something to go into your mind. It's a sin when you dwell on it. Because if we look at somebody, and we think, oh, man, they are so good looking. Man, they're so hot. Whoo, they're hot. Now, that's gone beyond just a glimmer in in your mind. You started to dwell on it. And when you start dwelling on things, then you look at your wife, who you've been married to for 45 years, and she don't look quite that good. You know, she all those things that used to be all that hotness. It's sagging. It's a sagging. <laughs> we need things to lift and tuck. I used to tuck in my shirt, now I tuck in my muffin top. <laughs> but That's okay, because you grow all together, because guys, you got the same problem. You know, the difference is we look in the mirror as women and we see somebody that's ugly and don't want to go out and wear something because it may, we it, 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 were just too ugly to wear that. Men, they look in the mirror and they got a beer belly up to here and they're 200 pounds overweight and they look in the mirror and they go like this and they see a He-Man in the reflection. <laughs> see, that's the difference, ladies. We need to improve our our image of ourselves and realize that when you get old things change and a lot of men when they get older they go into their second childhood and they want a young thing well I am guaranteed that young thing ain't very good for you, you're better off with, with the bride of your youth, that's what the Bible says keep the bride of your youth love in her, find your love in her Now, if they say, they say if the child is five years old when they marry, they don't have sex with them until they're nine. Now, how many of you think that's okay? I mean, that just infuriates me. A nine year old cannot choose anything, but in Sharia law, they have no choice of anything. They are locked in a cage, and they're locked in a prison of a religion that oppresses them, and they have no freedom, and they have no life. All they do is they have children. That's what all they're there for. They're just to have children and more children because that's all they think women were, and some of them still do. That's what Muslims think women are now. They're just slaves, and don't you dare go out without all that stuff on you or they'll crucify you. They'll kill you. They'll cut off your head. Christianity is the most oppressed religion in the world. And we, we have no rights in America as Christians. They legalize everything else. We have to accept Muslims as a peaceful religion. But we cannot accept Christianity because they are intolerant. We are the most tolerant people in the world. We do not tolerate sin. We love the people. And we try to separate them from the sin, whatever it might be. But I love everybody. Everybody. And we are not a, uh, identified by our sin. And I'm so glad of that. How many of you would like to be identified of your sin? How many would you like to be identified as somebody that used to sleep around? Or somebody that used to drink themselves to sleep every night? Hey, drunk! Hey, whore! How would you like that? Because we identify people with titles. And isn't it amazing that only women are called whores? Whores! Men aren't called whores. It's amazing how women always get the brunt of stuff. But the reality is we need to realize that and start standing up for it. And I'm wondering why people aren't protesting this. Because only pedophiles want to have sex with a child. And they're trying to lower the age. Unless you haven't read about this, they're trying to lower it to nine right now. And where's the outrage? A person is in prison, was in prison for 20 years and still there for selling a few things of drugs, marijuana. And a guy that raped somebody gets out and ate. Where is the justification? Where is the justice? The justice does not fit the crime. Because they, in their hearts, some of them believe, well, women cannot be raped. And they believe that women cannot be raped if they're married to their husband and he does it. Oh, I got news for you, they can. That's why we need to treat each other with respect so you don't have to take these ridiculous options. Genesis 3:16 C. He will rule over you. Now this didn't make Eve Adam's slave or Adam Eve Adam's slave like a lot of people think they did. They misinterpreted it through the years, and even today they they kind of accept it. That's why they don't allow women to do things in the church, because a woman isn't allowed to speak in the church. A woman isn't allowed to do this. A woman isn't allowed to do that. Well, I guarantee you, that isn't biblical and that isn't God. When God talks about this, he's talking about the home. Now, Randy is the head of our home, and yet I'm his pastor. Now, if we have a decision to make, and I've told you this before, that if he has, has a very strong opinion about it and I don't, we go with his choice. If I have a very strong opinion about something and he doesn't, we go with my choice. If we both have a strong opinion about it, we go with his choice because he's the head of our family. A lot of people don't think that because I'm a very, I have a very strong personality. and I'm used to giving orders, telling people what to do. And I'm Randy's pastor. And sometimes I have to tell him when I'm talking about a situation, because he says, no, we got to do this. And I'll say, honey, this is your pastor speaking. That's all I have to say. And he, okay, he submits to me as his pastor. But I do not use that as a way to get my own, own way. I have to stand before God and give an account for everything I do. In the home and up here. Everything that comes out of these lips, i got to stand before God and give an account for. And if it isn't God and it's me, God, forgive me. But one thing you'll know about me, I preach everything, whether I like it or not. And if I don't like it, I know that a lot of people aren't going to like it. But if I'm offended, sometimes it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling me I need to change something. And then I have to pray about it and find out what it is. Now, Ephesians 5, and 25. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, they use this verse to kind of knock us into submission, don't they? There's the Bible. You call yourself a Christian, then submit. Well, they forget a part of that verse. It says, as unto the Lord. If we can't do it unto the Lord, ladies, we can't do it. Period. So have them read the whole verse. And then we have verse 25. that says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, your wives are smitten unto you, but you are supposed to love them like Christ loved the church. Would Jesus do what you want them to do? If not, then, buddies, you're going to give an account. We need to realize it's as unto the Lord. And it's as unto your own husbands, not every man. A lot of people want to take the words husbands out of there. Wives, submit yourselves, period. Can you imagine what a terrible doctrine that would be? for a Christian woman who's married to a non-believer, some of the things that they might want them to do, especially if they're not the greatest husband and father. I know of situations I'm not gonna talk about, but you can imagine. You've probably heard of them yourself. So ladies, remember this. As unto the Lord. Now this is God's plan for the home. When Christ is the head of the home and the head of the husband, and he loves his wife like Christ loves the church and gave himself for it, we can submit to him. We can submit to a godly man, a godly husband that is submitted to the Lord. But we can't do it otherwise. Now, they're also supposed to be the high priest of the home. Man, if you're a believer, you need to be the high priest of your home. Now, I'm not talking about forced stuff on them. Ladies, if you're single or a single parent, you're the head of the home and you're the high priest. So you have two titles and two jobs. And that's why it's so hard to be a single mother or a single father. It's because you can't balance two jobs. It's hard. And then they have to work two. That's three jobs. Women work two. When women basically work, I worked my whole life. Had babysitters my whole life. Used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, wrap my kids up when they were little and take them to the babysitter and go to work. I had to be there at 6. But I had to do it. We made a living. And then when I was a single parent, that's when it really became a real uh, thing, something I really had to do. And I did it. Now, every business has an owner, general manager, supervisor, foreman. Maybe they have different titles but the same basic setups. The church is an Assemblies of God church. The owner is God. Our general manager or general superintendent oversees all the Assemblies of God churches. And the supervisor or district superintendent oversees churches in our district, which is the Arizona district. And there's about 200 and maybe 220 churches in our district. (coughs) Then we have presbyters who oversee sections of our district. In our district, there are 10 churches that are presbyter overseas. Then we have the foremen, or pastors, and they oversee the individual church. We have a line that we have to be unobedient to or have to make sure we don't mess up. Now, I've told you many times, if something I say is not right, you come to me and we'll talk about it. If it's egregious and I keep doing it, then call the district and tell them. They'll investigate it. And if I've done something wrong, they'll tell me, hey, knock it off. And if I've really lost my way, they'll take my papers away. And without papers, I can't pastor this church. So we have a, have a government that is, because we are, we live in a, a world, and that's b- biblical too, the way that we have the, the setup. And if you want to know what we believe, we have 16 basic doctrines. You can find them in the bylaws and that out there. And everything we believe is in the Bible. Everything. So I don't want to go far off the, business, off the end. <coughs> Galatians. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Even if you believed that women were ser- servants, Jesus did away with it. Jesus was the one that ministered to the women. That's why women loved him so much. Because they didn't treat him like slaves or someone that wasn't important or something that was just a property. That's why women love Jesus so much. And that's why more women love Jesus today. It's because they finally have someone that can understand them as a woman. And men... You finally got someone that can understand you as a man because we are made different. God did that on purpose. It wasn't an accident. We are to complement each other so we keep a balance in the home, in our society. So we need to do that. Genesis... I'm not going to be able to get to the rest of this stuff. I'm just going to close here. We need to know that God knows what he's doing. He knows about everything. He knows how we think. And he can help us in any situation that we're at. It's God designed that we be free. Not free to sin. Free to enjoy life. And I'm thankful for that. You know, there's so many people in this world don't get to enjoy life. And they're passing that theology on to our next generation. The kids that are crying because they think they have no future. They need to be put taken under their wing and let them know that this is what God says. You don't have to worry about it. God's going to take care of you. God ain't going to let this earth be destroyed. He said it in his word. If anybody destroys his word, it's going to be God. And at the end of time, he's going to purge this whole earth with fire. And then he's going to set up a new heaven and a new Earth, where we will be live and not have to worry about sinning, because sin will never enter in our thoughts again. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? Yeah. You know, I, I hate it. The worst thing I struggle with above anything, not the surgeries that I've had to endure, not the pain, not anything else, it's the thoughts. Our thoughts that, you know, we try to get out of our mind and yet they still return over and over again. And those of us that have lived, lived a life sometimes that weren't, wasn't always uh, Christian, some of those thoughts still enter our mind. And we have to pray to get them out. And we have to think of a scripture. When those things happen, <coughs> we start praising God, sing a praise song or something. To get your mind changed. But that's the thing I'm looking forward to for once in my life, to have a mind that doesn't go there anymore, a mind that will be worshiping God. Now, I know I have been a lot of revivals. Oh, man, I miss revivals. I miss tent meetings, and I don't know what's going on in this world. I believe that we're going to have a revival here in these last days, and I look forward to that, and then after that time, I believe God's going to come and take us home. I don't have the chapter and verse. That's my own personal opinion because there's so many people in America that haven't heard the gospel. We're too busy evangelizing the world while our own world goes to hell in a handbasket. If we put all the effort in evangelizing America, we could knock this place out in 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 a year. You think, Pastor Cliff, if all the evangelists and all the missionaries started from one part of our country and just walked the whole country to share Jesus, we'd have a revival. But I remember the Holy Spirit pouring out on people. And oh man, I'll tell you, when you were there, you didn't care how long the service was. You didn't care if that preacher preacher preached for 10 hours. You were there just, just glowing in the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. That's what my spirit longs for. That's what I want for this church. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm old. And I grew up on camp meetings. And i am tell you, it's, oh, man, I'd love to go back there. Go down then sawdust tents. Man, they were so great. And, man, I got home late. I remember one time when I was a little girl where the church was right down the street from us. And I, I was there. As soon as I got up, I got myself up and went to church. Nobody got me up. And I go to church. And I they had night services and I went there at night. And I was always the last one to leave. And sometimes my mother would go down there and grab me out of there to that church and spank me all the way up the street because it was past my bedtime. And the only way she punished me was not allowing me to go to church. And she threatened me to tell the pastor if I did something. I always loved church. I went to every church there was because I had a hunger in my heart for God. And when I had that hunger, you search. And I went to every church that I could think of. I was a little girl. They had all the churches in one building. And I'd go there and I'd sit through every single service trying to find, find something. And I found it when I was nine years old. That's when I was introduced to my first Pentecostal church. Man, I'll tell you, that was neat. The people didn't just sit there and look like they'd been eating sour grapes before they came. Man, people were excited. They were happy to be in church. Hallelujah. Man, they would shout. Some of them get up and dance in the aisles. And Man, I'll tell you, those were the days, my friend. Those were the days. My mom, I remember her dancing in the aisles. Man, it was, you know, she wasn't saved until later in life. But I got get to say that I had a part in that. And they had her seat. Nobody sat in her seat at church. That was hers. And, you know, of course, she didn't get upset if somebody did, but, you know, you have your seat. Man, mine was always the second row. Man, that was it. When I was a little kid, nine years old, I sat on the front row. And we used to have these flip seats. You know, you know what I'm talking about, the theater seats you used to flip up? And I used to sit there, and evangelist came. And, and he said, I <coughs> told, told my pastor, who was a different pastor at the time, and he said, you know, can't you do something about that little girl in the front row? Man, she sings so loud and off-key, it's just destructive. He didn't tell me that until... I went and seen him when our son graduated from college and gave him a copy of the songs that I'd recorded, and that's when he told me that. He didn't tell me that then, or he probably would have broke my little heart. (laughs) But I was excited, you know? Drink a joyful night unto the Lord, hallelujah, and I was joyful, and I'm still joyful, Sometimes it doesn't come out on the well, on the out from the outside, but inside, I'll tell you, I'm jumping and I'm running the aisles. Hallelujah! Well, I better stop or I'm really going to be in a mess here. <coughs> Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus.